values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Don't forget, coming up at 1120, as we do every every other day here on the show, we do Did You Hear This? to catch you up on the big headline. So that's coming up in just a few moments. Um, here is a headline. We, talk, we spoke this morning with Lisa Graham Keegan, and uh, she is an expert in education. She's a former um, superintendent of public schools, and she ran the summer school program known as Arizona On Track Summer Camps that was funded here in Arizona to help kids try to catch up and start to catch up on what they lost and what how they fell behind during COVID-19. We're going to get to some of the conversation with her. But there is a battle for education in this country, and there's no doubt that that happens. There is absolutely no doubt that there is a battle for education. Here is a headline. New Jersey school board's lawyer says parents cannot dictate what their children are taught. I want to say that again. New Jersey school board lawyer says parents cannot, now it's in quotation marks, dictate what their children are taught. I asked the question, since when? You want to know why homeschooling and micro schools and all these other options have become popular in Arizona? It's because parents disagree with the way their children are being taught. And they found out how their children are being taught by watching online learning. Now, I will tell you, again, these are not all extremists. And another issue is I don't believe that this is the majority of teachers, but it doesn't have to be. It wasn't the majority of police officers that were causing problems. But look what's happening to the revamping of policing. I would venture to say to you 99.9% of police officers are not what you've seen in the police officers that have committed crimes. Just like 99.9% of teachers don't replace the um the American flag with a pride flag or an Antifa flag, but they're out there. And when the school districts are pushing curriculum that parents don't want in the districts that the parents pay for, and they are the children of the parents, they have an absolute right to dictate what's taught to their children. And the parents are being relegated to being extremists. And then when the parents show up at school board meetings and they begin to read out loud the books that they're questioning, they're called book burners and Nazis and Hitler burned books and all this other stuff. And what the parents have been saying is these books are just not age appropriate. I don't want my children having access or being that you're condoning these books. You are saying these are good for you books because Because they're in your school library, and I don't want my child having access to this material in my public school. They are being called extremists until a parent stands up at a school board meeting and says, hey, you know, all the kids here should probably leave for a moment because I'm going to read from a book that's in the school library and you're not going to believe it. And then this parent describes and starts to read, hey, I'm in this chapter on this page, and this is porn. And that's exactly what it is. And it is a graphic description of sex acts in a school library. And the vast majority of parents in this country say that's inappropriate. That should not be in a school library. That doesn't mean don't write the book. That doesn't mean don't sell the book. It doesn't mean don't read the book. It means it shouldn't be in a school library. So here's where we are. We have seen education diminish because of kids being out of school. We now know that there is a battle to restore us to traditional education, whether or not that happens for everyone. And I would say to you, I respect a parent that believes, listen, 
I don't care if my kid goes to a drag show, and I don't care if my 10-year-old sees a book that's got illustrations of sex acts in it. I think it's healthy for my child. You have a right to raise your child any way you want. And there are going to be schools that are going to have you flocking to those schools. And there are going to be others that are called traditional schools or otherwise for the parents that don't. And we'll see which one thrives. Now, I want to get to a little bit of Lisa Graham Keegan. Uh, Great results. Fantastic results of what's happening. I asked her, what grade would you give the camp? I give it an A. <laughs> the schools and camps who offered these programs did an outstanding job for over 70,000 families, mostly uh, students from low-income families. So right kids who needed it most, the right results. And I'm so grateful to the governor who wants to do it again. So young people, and the statistics are overwhelming. I think these are fantastic statistics. Um, 86% of students... Now, there were about 70,000 in total. 86% of students either made progress towards, met, or exceeded their learning goals set up for them at camp. In the higher grade levels, more than 5,300 academic credits were recovered, meaning more students will be back on track for graduation. Beyond that, parents reported high levels of satisfaction. The AZ on track camps, 87% of parents said that the AZ on track camps were a help to their families and 70% said the camps helped their children feel more excited to go back to school. That's an amazing accomplishment. Um, I asked her, uh, this is another part, the kids were able to have fun together. She talked about teachers as well. The other thing I love, Mike, is that teachers at that same percentage rate, about 86%, said, this has made me more excited to get back to school. I was anxious about it. It's been weird and awful, uh, but this was fun. And so I was hugely grateful for that because that's uh, where success comes from is teachers who are really engaged. And it was fun, and the kids did something memorable. And she talked about schools not having to be boring and dreary. You can absolutely teach in exciting ways, doing things that excite kids. And I think we've learned a lot. We learned a lot about um, not using summer programs for dreariness, right? And that it doesn't have to be dreary to go to summer school. You can really engage kids, um, especially low-income families who haven't been able to afford an adventure camp experience. That's who came in that's who benefited the most isn't it interesting we all remember the science experiment when we were little kids probably elementary school where the science teacher did the volcano with baking soda and vinegar i think we all remember that science experiment we all remember it and you know i grew up in southwest florida and many of you grew up here or in other parts of the country and we all remember that experience when you're doing something exciting and learning at the same time um hopefully what will happen with a program like this is that some of the things and she did say some of them will, she recommends and believes that some of them will be translated and transferred into the public school setting. The goal for all of us should be that these scores go up dramatically, that we have children that can learn. We're not teaching them what to think. We're teaching them how to think. We're teaching them how to read and find out for yourself. I don't know if it ever happened to you, but it used to happen to me back before the internet when you had encyclopedias or whatever else it was. I had teachers that when I went and asked them a question about something, they would say, go read it for yourself. Go. Here's the chapter. Go read it for yourself. 
because they didn't want to put the, the answer in my head. They wanted me to put the answer in my head. Becoming a critical thinker, becoming someone that says, I, we, we may disagree. You know, I've got, I've got children. I've got two girls and we agree sometimes and we disagree dramatically at other times. I didn't put thoughts in their head. I told them to think for themselves. And that doesn't mean I'm always happy with their thoughts. But the fact is, I want them well prepared. And the goal here is to catch kids up. I'm glad it was so successful. I hope it's successful moving forward. But this battle is going to continue here in Arizona and across the country for education. When you have educators, when you have school districts, not all of them, not most of them, some of them across this country with a lawyer for a school district that says parents don't have a right to dictate what their kids learn. Every parent's hair should be on fire because you may like what your district is saying, but someday leadership may change that. And when you try to push back, they're going to tell you, shut up. It's none of your business. Then it will be your business. We should always be putting the power in the hands of the parents, just like doctors. We don't tell a doctor how to operate. But we choose the doctor. We choose the course of care, and we expect it to be involved when our children are in medical care. It's the same thing with education. We're hiring you to do the job, but we have a right to set that course of care. Coming up in a moment, we get you caught up on the big news stories. It's Did You Hear This? Momentarily. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, let's get you caught up on the big headlines of the day. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Lisa Graham Keegan, the chair for AZ On Track Summer Camp, talked with you about the success of its first year and her hope that more people would adopt the idea. It is a topic of conversation and people are enthused about it, especially after these results started to come out. Could we see more states use summer camps to help students improve academically? I think so. I, I think when we've done it, other states have done it. When you see someone doing something well, you want to model those programs. Arizona has kind of led on this topic of school choice with the expansion of the what's called the voucher program with the ESA program. I think other states are going to begin to look at that and do that as well. And when you roll out a summer camp program with the element that was put in this of fun and adventure, so it wasn't just the the typical classroom setting, I think it's going to catch on, especially when you start seeing results. And I'm very happy for the governor and for for Lisa Graham-Keegan that they were successful in this endeavor. Today, President Biden announced new measures to crack down on so-called junk fees charged by companies in an effort to lower costs for Americans. One of the key things I've asked the council to take on was the unfair hidden fees known as junk fees that are taking real money, real money out of your pockets, real money out of the pockets of American families. Will this help Americans deal with high inflation? Stop. stop. All of this stuff. Again, the demonization of private industry is what they're doing. When you start taking money out of the Treasury and putting it back in the pockets to the American people and stop saying it's only tax cuts for the rich. When you start realizing that more money in the pockets of the American people can also be done by the government, then you're going to make a dent in things. Demonizing private industry doesn't solve any problem. And when it further 
does is it fosters the divide in this country that you promise to defeat, defeat by being a uniter, and it's not working. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the big headlines. According to AAA, the national gas price average is $3.76, and President Biden says he believes gas prices can still decrease. And they're going to come down even further when gas companies, when the oil companies agree to our demand, my demand to pass on the savings from the price of a barrel oil, which is considerably down, to the pump. What do you think about his demands? Again, it's about refining. It's about production. There's a reason why diesel fuel is only falling a little bit. It's because of the ability to refine to keep up with demand. That's where it's all at. They are not doing anything to ease restrictions on the oil companies to make it easier to refine, to move back in the direction of energy independence. It's the same old fight and the same old battle. And to all of you that disagree with me, respectfully, I respect your opinion, respect mine, and answer this question for yourself and answer it to me. If this is just about the greed of the oil companies, why were we able to, in the previous administration, in all four years, pre-COVID, during COVID, and the recovery from COVID, was gasoline under three bucks a gallon? If they were bilking you or are bilking you now, if they are stealing from you now, if they are out there price gouging now, why didn't they do it then? Gail and Drew with 538 discuss new polling data about what may happen on Election Day. Currently, Republicans have about an 80% chance of winning the House this fall, and that's up from about a 70% chance just a week or so ago. Are you surprised by the gains Republicans have made in recent weeks? No, I'm not, and it's because this is American history. Usually when a, when a party has the White House and midterm elections, there are big changes that are made. People vote with their wallets. This country still is divided politically, and we have the arguments. I argue heavy with the left. The left argues heavy with people like me on the right. And there is that argument. But the people that are straight down the middle, the people that are voters, vote with their wallet. They want the government to stay out of their personal lives, stay out of their way, allow them to make a living, and just give them an opportunity. And people are seeing that right now diminish greatly. And the president is going to pay the price. It's a midterm election, so it won't be him. But they're going to change direction in the Congress as they have so many other times in midterm elections. So I knew that the wind were at the backs of the Republicans, but I think because the economy is not improving, because the Inflation Reduction Act hasn't helped with inflation, because we are still seeing it continue, people are more earnest and wanting to see things change. And so I think that is where this tailwind is getting even stronger. Good job, Julia. We'll do it again tomorrow for Did You Hear This? It is, uh, it's interesting times. It really is. And uh, still having the battle with people on social media from the border to the, the economy to fuel prices, all of these other things that people feel as if something should be done. People understand excuses when they hear them. And, and that, that comes from every administration. This isn't just about Democrats. Joe Biden is the president of the United States. Donald Trump isn't. Blaming him for what he did when he was in office is useless right now. Joe Biden has to answer for the changes that have happened under his watch. And if you're going to say it was all out of his control, then what did we elect him for? He promised unity. He promised a strong economy. He said, I'm going to shut down the virus. I'm not going to shut down the economy. He's made promise after promise after promise after promise, and they have not come true. He has held true to what he was going to do, but the outcomes have been different than he promised, and that's where he's paying a political price.
Coming up in a moment, uh, we are going to talk about ballot drop boxes one more time. You're going to hear more from the sheriff of Maricopa County yesterday as he addressed this issue. And is law enforcement or the judicial system going to jump in and stop these ballot box watchers? Or are they just exercising their First Amendment rights? Next. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. When it comes to election denial, are we all going to say we have to stop it to everyone that's doing it, or is it only on one side of the political aisle or the other? I think it's a great point that's been brought up. Uh, we just heard about results, uh, results, poll results, I should say, that are saying that in Arizona, voters are starting to lean more to the right, and uh, Carrie Lake is opening up a lead. Uh, I'm going to get into this part of it, and then I'll dive into the meat of it. Um, I, it's not just because it's, it was me. Um, I have said for a long time, I believe, and I think it will go down this way. I believe, I predict it will end up this way. That experts, pundits in elections will go down and say that it was a huge mistake for the Hobbs campaign to handle things the way they have. That not uh, your your base is your base, and they're always going to be there for you. And the base for Katie Hobbs is saying she's doing the right thing, and don't get involved in the crazy. And Miss Hobbs, with all due respect, made a huge mistake in not debating Carrie Lake. Um, I think that she had you saw Fetterman, even Fetterman got on stage with Doctor Oz. Now, how that ends up playing out for him, I don't know, but he did it. He only did it once, but he did it. And now you've got Katie Hobbs, who is uh, now behind in the latest polling because she has been absent. People watch ads. There's no doubt. But when you you're you and I, I can, uh, I'm going to I'm going to paint a picture like I'm sitting next to you on the couch when you're watching television or we're driving in the car together, listening to the radio. You are someone who leans right, you vote right, you like a candidate on the right. Let's say you like Blake Masters. The minute the commercials come on that says Blake Masters hates women and would get rid of all abortions as an extremist and he's too extreme for Arizona, you immediately look at the TV and you say, I am so sick and tired of these ads. And then when you see an ad that says Mark Kelly is pretending to be – is pretending to be moderate when he has voted with the uh, the president this many times, and he certainly isn't moderate. He's wrong for Arizona, and we got to fix the border, and Blake Masters is going to fix the border. When you see that ad, you go, you know what? I like that ad. It, 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 it either validates how you already feel, or it makes you angry. And it does little else. It's not convincing people in great numbers at this point. I'm not saying it doesn't work, but at this point in the election, you're going after undecided voters that are looking for more. And they want to hear from candidates. They want to hear a candidate answer a question in a way that either even if they disagree, they think it's a well thought out answer. I don't like you that I don't like that you just said no to that, but I want to hear why. And I think it was a mistake. But labeling each other extremists is what happens in a political campaign. Labeling each other as extremists as voters is the wrong thing to do. We know that the extremists exist. It's lumping us all in together with that. I will use analogies because I love them so much. It's like going 
to a football game. If let's say I can't remember who the Cardinals played home next, but let's go back to the game they just played against the New Orleans Saints. Thursday night football. You're at the game. You're you're a kind of uh, you're hanging out in one of the crazy end zone. That's where your seats are, and you look over and. A couple of Saints fans are picking a fight with some Cardinals fans. They're drunk, they're obnoxious, and they want to fight. And you say, that's a Saints fan for you. That's how the Saints fans behave. You've just lumped everybody in the in there in a Saints jersey or a Saints hat or T-shirt, all with these idiots that are drunk and fighting. And you know that's not fair, and vice versa. You know that's not a fair assessment. It was two guys from the opposite team acting like idiots. And now everybody in the stands wearing that jersey is an idiot. And that's what we do with American politics. Somebody on the left, you know, it doesn't take long. It doesn't take long to find insanity on the political left, on the extreme. And it certainly doesn't take long to find insanity on the extreme right politically. But we just label each other that. This this uh, ballot drop box thing. I've asked. I've said it. I know they're not listening to me, but I'm hoping somebody gets to them that they're defeating their own cause. And they're making a lot of people on the right that are deniers in the validity of the 2020 election look crazy. If you are there for a cause, I mean this sincerely. The cause has to matter more than you do. This isn't your 15 minutes of fame, and that's how they're treating it. We're going to dress up in camo. We're going to put on tactical gear. We're going to put bandanas around our face, and we're going to protect freedom. No, you're not. You're going to dress up in camo. You're going to put on tactical gear. You're going to put a bandana on your face, and you're going to look violent. You're going to look like you're looking for trouble. It's one of the things I learned about being a part of a team. It's what I love most about being a part of a team. Um, You get on the football field and the guy across from you is playing a little bit dirty and you want to get in a fight. So you fight this guy and you get a 15-yard penalty. Your lack of emotional control just penalized the entire team. You just cost everybody around you because you couldn't control yourself. And when the coach yanks you off the field and sits you on the bench and says, listen to me, we're in this together. You just cost us 15 yards. This game is more important than you fighting the guy across from you. Grow up. And that's where you learn a life lesson. One of my favorite stories, and I'm going to be brief with it, one of my favorite stories is about Newburgh, New York, which many of you know. I hope most of you know this story. In Newburgh, New York, uh, the Revolutionary War was over. The U.S. had won the war. The British were still there. They had not gone home. We didn't have a Congre- We didn't have a, 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 a Constitution yet, so it was all kind of in limbo. So the officers of the Revolutionary Army were gathered in a place called Newburgh, New York, and they used to go to this gathering place. They called it the Temple of Honor, but it wasn't a temple. They gathered in this gathering place. Well, it's not to the surprise of many veterans, the Continental Congress had promised to pay the army, to pay the soldiers for their service, and they welched. They weren't going to pay them, and the officers were furious. So the officers were going to meet in the Temple of Honor, and they were going to meet together to vote to take up arms against the Continental Congress and get the money they were owed. Now, imagine the service. Imagine Valley Forge and bodies stacked up like cordwood and some soldiers with shoes walking in front of the soldiers that had no shoes. That's the winter they suffered. The loss of life, the disease, the wounds, everything they did 
to sacrifice to forge this nation and the Congress was going to welch. They were going to take up arms and they were going to go after the money they were owed. Washington got word that this was happening and Washington went to the meeting and he put on his glasses and he, he uttered a phrase where he said, I have not only grown old in your service, I've grown blind. And in that moment, the other soldiers, these officers could see that truly this man had dedicated his life to the formation of this nation. And uh, I don't know the exact words that Washington used, but what he explained to these officers was you have sacrificed so much for your country and you have absolute right to be angry that you're not going to get paid. You are right in your anger. You are justified in your anger. But if you do what you are rightfully able to do and going and demanding your money with arms against the Congress, we will never have a country and the British will march in and by default Take back everything you fought for. So if you want this nation, if this cause is bigger than you are, you're going to have to sacrifice for your country a second time. And he left without knowing how they would vote. And those men voted unanimously to stay with Washington. And we now have a country. When you have a cause that's that important to you, that it's bigger than anything you want, bigger than showing off in camo and showing off in, in tactical gear and, 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 and covering your face, when you want to represent whatever's necessary to make your cause the number one thing, then you get the respect of people. When you want to play dress up, you're making people angry and you're not serving your cause well. In a moment, we're going to finish on a topic of low standards, my favorite topic. We'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, appreciate you spending some time with the show. Elon Musk is finalizing his purchase of Twitter, and people are going crazy because of what he might do with the platform. Employees sent out a demand letter where they are demanding that they all remain employed. And I laughed about this because it's an it's a it's a mindset I never understood. Understanding that uh, that's part of the the downside of working for someone else, which is uh, they dictate sometimes when you leave and when you don't. Um, the upside is you dictate sometimes. You understand when a company goes under and uh, it's a scary proposition to feel as if you're losing your business and lose everything. And trust me, I've been there. Um, your employees are important to you, and you want to make sure that you're taking care of them. They're like family members, especially if you own a small business. But in the end, what ends up happening is your employees can jump ship because they should. They've got a family to feed, and they go and get a job with another company, and you're the one that spends the next few years, like I did, paying off your debts. Um, they're not responsible for that. But uh, an employee that says, I demand that you keep us employed – there's a there's a sense of entitlement there that I absolutely cannot jump on board with, but can also not understand. Uh, when I worked for someone, when you're when you're somebody on a job site um, or any company, when you are an entry level worker, you've got very little to worry about except yourself. When you're moved into a supervisory position, you've got yourself to worry about, and then a few people around you. When you're into a management position, you've got a bunch of other people that you now are responsible for you. And when you're the owner, you're writing all the checks. You're taking all the risk. This letter that was written by Twitter employees is half funny and half sad. They demand respect. 
They demand safety. They demand protection. And they demand dignity. What's interesting is um, every one of us, I gets trapped. I think we get trapped in our lives sometime. I know I have. And I try not to anymore, but it doesn't mean I'm perfect at it. We get trapped in the idea of talking about what our rights are instead of what our responsibilities are. Um, if Elon Musk, the billionaire, buys a company and says, I can lay off about 75% of this staff and still operate this company, then the people that operated it before were wasting a lot of money. And you would do the same thing. I think most people would do the same thing if you had a business, if you inherited a business and you walked in to the business you inherited and you had 75% of your staff was unnecessary and it was you were writing those checks, you would do the same thing. There is no – I did exactly the opposite of this with every job interview I ever went on, including this job. Um. I'm not the most talented, never have been, but I promise I won't be outworked, and I keep that promise. I come in early, I stay late, I'll go to things, I'll do what I have to do, I'll do what you need me to do, I'll do what you want me to do, uh, because I believe when you sign on the dotted line, you make that kind of a commitment, and it's served me well. I've had nothing to offer the world but a work ethic. That's a, that's a true statement. You've got people demanding that uh, we demand leadership to respect the platform and the workers who maintain it by committing to preserving the current headcount. They're demanding that they stay employed. Instead of saying, I'm going to be such a valued employee, you can't possibly imagine running this business without me. So I would say the upside to this for anybody out there that's listening, if you're with a parent or a grandparent and listening to this, the world is yours because the standard for excellence in America right now is show up and work hard. You don't have to be extremely talented. Imagine, imagine going to the NFL and saying, I, I want to be an NFL player and we're demanding nobody get cut. We demand no, it's a position of excellence. You either make the grade or you don't. There's a reason why they're excellent. There's a reason why they make as much money as they do. Watch the Phoenix Suns last night, man. What a great game. Well, I got to catch the end of the game, I should say. The Phoenix Suns, what a game. They... Um, And they get paid millions and millions of dollars because they are the elite. They are the best of the best. Nobody's demanding you keep somebody on a team. We demand you keep everybody. No, if you don't make the grade, you're out. And we have to, if you want to be successful, all you have to do is show up and work hard. Do what you're asked. So when the boss comes back to check on you, they don't have to check on you twice. You've done what you said you were going to do. That's how I succeeded. That was the key to my success. Show up and work hard. If I can do it, anybody can do it. And if you're a part of the mindset of entitlement that thinks that this is a good idea, that it's okay to write these kinds of letters, I would suggest, and I mean this respectfully, I would suggest that you rethink how you approach life. You'll be a lot more successful and happy if you do. Just about out of time, social media users, at Broomhead KTAR is where you find me on Twitter, at Broomhead Show updates you on guests and happenings on the show. Please follow both accounts. And Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram. Keep in touch. We'll be back tomorrow morning just after 8. Have a great day. God bless. Yeah.